This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. All right, that's false advertising. JVT is not here today. He's on vacation for two weeks. Matt Humans here with uh, VSN baseball betting analyst Adam Burke. Adam, thanks for jumping in today. Absolutely, good to be here. I Looking think you jumped to it. in yesterday too, right? I did. Yeah, yesterday with Femi Abefefe. We, we had a good time. It was a quick hour, but we had a good time. Femi's. A great dude. I always say about guys like Femi and Dwayne Colucci, if you don't like those guys, there's something wrong with you. Yes. Because you have to like Femi and and Dwayne Colucci. And Adam Burke. All right, Adam, we're going to talk baseball here in the first segment and hit two of the top games in the major leagues tonight. And I'm going to start off with a uh, matchup that uh, turned me into a loser last night. I took the Rays in the plus price against the Yankees. Garrett Cole took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. It was tied 2-2 in the ninth, but the Yankees pulled out a 4-2 win. The first team to 50 wins in the majors. The Yankees 50-17 and after a 5-5 five and five start. They were minus 136 at closing time at the South Point uh, last night. Currently, the Yankees behind nasty Nestor Cortez. The circuit number is minus 173. Total is 7. And uh, Beeks is going to make the start tonight for the Rays at the Trop. Yeah, I was on the under in last night's game, so that became a sweat that I yeah. didn't really need with the two bullpens struggling, specifically with Clay Holmes struggling, actually, which has been a rarity for the Yankees here so far. Now, I know you wrote about them this week in Point Spread Weekly. I did as well. They're on pace to win 121 games this year, mm-hmm. which is absolutely remarkable. In today's game, look, I mean, I think it's a pretty big number for Nestor Cortez here, especially when you consider the fact that this is a total of seven. You know, So it should be a low-scoring, lower-variance type of game. And Cortez is a guy that... He's had a lot of success against teams he's faced for the first time. He's very quirky. He throws from different arm angles. He's kind of hard to pick up, all that. I think teams seeing him a second, third, fourth time, something like that, I think they may start to have a little bit more success against him. So I actually lean towards the over seven in this one, but I don't really have a play on the side. That was not an official play by you today. You put up uh, your baseball betting scouting report at vcin.com every day. Check it out. Adam Burke's uh, daily report on baseball. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't lay this price with the Yankees either. Uh, but, again, I was wrong with the Rays yesterday. You had uh, some interesting uh, info that uh, you added uh, when I was doing research for this uh, Yankees column this week. And the Yankees right now, the favorites to win the World Series, 9-2 to two at uh, Circa, 4-1 to one at the Westgate. And that's a dra- dramatic difference from what the Yankees opened the season at. Uh, Ed Sammons of the Westgate said when the year started – Quote, I don't think anyone thought the Yankees would be the favorites in June. Most people thought it would be the Dodgers. I didn't see this coming. I'll be honest. I didn't see it coming either. Yankees' uh, season win total was 91.5 to 92.5. William Hill Sportsbooks puts up adjusted win totals. Right now the Yankees are at 104.5 on the adjusted total. I would play that over. I agree with you, what you said. They're not going to keep up this pace of winning 120 games, but I do believe the Yankees can win 110. I would play over 104 and a half. What about you? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there are some areas of negative regression for this team. They're 14 mm-hmm. and 5 in one run games. They're 12 and 4 in games where they've scored two or three runs. Right. Rest of the league going into today's action, 184 and 349 in those games. So the Yankees have won a lot of 2 to 1, 3 to 2 types of games. Maybe it continues, maybe it doesn't. But also, too, 
Opposing teams have a 221 batting average on balls in play with men in scoring position against the Yankees. So the Yankees are getting all of these very important outs in these high leverage situations. At some point, I think that that has to kind of regress a little bit. And also, too, they've had five starters make at least 12 starts so far. Mm. They've only had eight different starting pitchers, and some of them have largely been double headers. So, you know, it's one of those things where they've stayed remarkably healthy in the starting rotation. I don't know if that'll be the same thing going forward with a guy like Severino coming back off a major injury, a guy in Cortez who hasn't thrown over 110 innings since 2018. I think there are going to be some cracks in the armor for this team, but at the same time, I mean, they're they're the best team in baseball and by a pretty wide margin. There uh, always will be some regression. I mean, the, the baseball regular season is a six-month marathon. You're going to have street. You're going to have uh, slumps. You're going to have injuries. As long as the Yankees can avoid an Aaron Judge injury or, or cluster injuries to the pitching staff, they should be okay. But, yeah, I don't think they're going to keep up this pace. You said your biggest worry is the health of the pitching staff. You just detailed some of it there. And uh, also – you think defense might be a little bit of a concern. Yeah, I mean, they're just league average defensively, and and so that kind of speaks to the 221 batting average on balls and play with men in scoring position, where that's probably a little bit higher than we should expect from them. Mm-hmm. Also, something real quick to mention here, this line is going down tonight with this Yankees and Rays game, because Aaron Judge not in the starting lineup for the Yankees, so we're seeing about a 10 or 12 cent adjustment out there in the marketplace right now. And I think that's about right. You know, you always say, what is a star player worth to the line. What's Mike Trout worth? What's Aaron Judge worth right now? I'd say at least 10 cents. Even though the Yankees have a bat they can plug in there, it's going to be satisfactory. It's not Aaron Judge. I think that's worth a 10 cent adjustment. I did not play this uh, game tonight either. Na- uh, nasty Nestor right now 6-2 and two with a 194 ERA, 093 whip. Uh, he's got pretty solid numbers across the board. Beeks, who's going to make the start for the Rays, a lefty. And uh, the Yankees with a uh, right-hand dominant lineup, but Judge not going to be in there tonight. Um, Yankees right now 50 and 17. Did you make any sort of uh, preseason bet on a win total or a future on the Yankees? I didn't have anything for the Yankees. And, and the interesting thing about all of this is, you know, if you think back to the offseason, there were a lot of people that were very critical of the Yankees oh, and, no and what they didn't do, you know, not spending money, not going out there and getting, uh-huh. I mean, they got Anthony Rizzo, but, you know, not getting some of those big ticket free agent guys that were out there. And here they are. I mean, again, on pace for 121 wins. So, hey, maybe these front offices know a little bit better than all of, than all of us do. Well, I'm not going to give Brian Cashman too much credit. The Yankees haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Yeah, it has been a while. He's, I he's will say, and, and I've, I've talked about this a lot, and I actually yeah. wrote about this a few weeks ago on Point Spread Weekly, the importance of pitching coaches. Mm-hmm. And they got Matt Blake from the Cleveland Indians uh-huh. back in 2019, and you see what's happening now with their starting staff, with their bullpen, with the guys that they've isolated as trade targets and all of that. Those are very, very important things that oftentimes fly under the radar. We talk all the time about coordinators and coaches in football. Sure. We never talk about them in baseball. Well, let's talk about this. I ask you... I also asked Scott Seidenberg if he could bet one team on the MLB Futures board right now, and I said uh, he was doing the show at Circa. I said, so look at the Circa odds. He said the Yankees. He would have taken the Yankees at plus 450. Uh, you said the White Sox at 32-1, to 1, and I thought you had some good reasoning behind why you would take the White Sox at that number. 
Yeah, so I'm not a guy that likes to play short prices in the futures market because, I mean, if plus 450, the Yankees have to win, basically, for you to really get anything out of that ticket. You can hedge in the World Series if you want to, but, you know, holding your money for that long with such a low return, you pretty much need them to win it. So for me, I take a look at the White Sox. I think the White Sox still win the Central Division. I'm not a big believer in Minnesota. I'm not a big long-term believer in Cleveland either, even though I did play them tonight. Uh, But the White Sox play a really, really bad second-half schedule. They're getting healthier now. Tim Anderson came back yesterday. We saw them have a big offensive explosion with him back in the lineup. Uh, Yohan Moncada will be back soon. Eloy Jimenez will also be back soon. The bullpen will be healthier again after the All-Star break. And like I said, they play a very weak second-half schedule. They play Minnesota 16 more times. So those head-to-head games probably decide this division. And, yeah. and I think the White Sox match up pretty well against the Twins. And you know, despite this 500 start that they've had here, I still think they're the best team in that division. White Sox are 32-33, and 33, and I would tend to agree with you there. I think when healthy, the White Sox, assuming they get healthy, will be the best team in that division, and uh, your scheduling information was uh, revealing there. I, I was surprised that the White Sox play only four teams with winning records in the second half of the season. All right, the Dodgers were everybody's favorite before the season, the best team money could buy. It has not turned out that way. Dodgers are 7-11 and 11 since May 30th, right now 40-25. and 25. I guess you could call them the disappointing Dodgers. They've had injuries. They've had a lot of guys in the lineup slumping. Mookie Betts now on the injured list. But their best pitcher goes tonight in Cincinnati. Tony Gonsolin is 8-0. Dodgers minus 180 at Cincy. Total of 9.5. Did you play this game? I didn't play this game, but I think the line movement is really intriguing for this one. Because Gonsolin has been so good, as you mentioned, 142 ERA, 255 expected ERA, 310 FIP. There are some negative regression signs in the profile for Gonsolin. His left on base percentage is 88.8%. That's one of the highest in Major League Baseball. And his batting average on balls in play is just 182. He's going to a ballpark now in Cincinnati that is very, very good hitters park. And Cincinnati is the best offense in baseball in terms of runs scored per game at home. So if you're looking for some regression from Gonsolin, you wouldn't expect it to happen against the Reds, but it could end up happening tonight. And on the flip side, Tyler Molly, who gets to start for the Reds, 446 ERA, but a 323 expected ERA, 329 FIP. He's been extremely good over his last four or five starts. So maybe if you're kind of riding the wave a little bit, two pitchers that appear to be possibly going in different directions, I could see the thought process behind taking the Reds at the big plus money price. The concern for me would be the Dodgers build up starting pitcher pitch counts very, very quickly because they walk a lot. They hit a lot of foul balls. They don't swing and miss a ton, all of that. I think if you like the Reds today, it's got to be a first five play because Molly may only go five, and their bullpen is very, very bad. <laughs> That's good advice. By the way, what's, what do you think Mookie Betts is worth to the, to the line in a game like this? Is he worth 10 cents? I mean, I, in this lineup, because there's there's so much protection around him, I mean, he's obviously an MVP caliber player, but I, I would say it's maybe, a, you know, 10, 15 cents, something like that. Whereas I think a Manny Machado, for example, is probably worth 25 cents to the line because he's so important both offensively and defensively, and that's a bad offensive team. So his absence means a lot, whereas there's enough bats in that Dodgers lineup to kind of offset bets a little bit. Well, the Padres got home runs from Jake Cronenworth and uh, Trent Grisham last night. Manny Machado was out. The Padres beat the D-backs 4-1, to so there was no value in the D-backs' dogs last night. Tony Gonsolin, by the way, 8-0, 0.82 whip. He might be your all-star starter in the National League. How about Joe Musgrove of the Padres? Who would you take? Uh, 
I, 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 I personally would give the nod to Musgrove, but Musgrove on the COVID-19 list right now, so we'll see how long it takes him to get back. All right, that's Adam Burke. Wes Reynolds is going to join us later in the show in the last segment to talk golf. And uh, we've got a world College World Series play from Ben Wilson up next. If you didn't catch it on the previous show, you'll want to catch it now. Tonight, Auburn and Arkansas will have Ben Wilson's best bet next. We'll break down more of tonight's MLB card here on The Edge, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Edge on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. All right, the VSIN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. You get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB bets, NFL offseason coverage, plus articles on golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and more if you want the full VSIN experience. Every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, a live video stream, and a lot more. The cost only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash summer. Matt Humans, Adam Burke back here on the edge. Breaking down more baseball, I talked about uh, the College World Series. Right now, a game in progress. Texas A&M up 5-0 on Notre Dame in the uh, sixth inning, so the Irish got their backs against the wall here. They had, uh, I believe, their ace pitcher going. So this is bad news for the Irish to be down to the Aggies 5-0. Tonight, we have Auburn and Arkansas and Omaha. And Ben Wilson, who is our resident college baseball expert, said he played Arkansas minus 135 tonight. So he's, uh, he's down with the Hogs. And that current price here at the South Point is minus 140. You see there at BetMGM minus 145. Ben Wilson going to play the favorite tonight in that game. All right, let's go back to MLB. And a high-profile matchup with the Mets and the Astros. Talked about the Yankees being the first to 50 wins. The Mets are second in MLB with 45 wins, and the Astros third with 41. Tonight we've got Trevor Williams starting for the Mets in Houston against Jose Urquidy. And uh, Adam Burke, did you break down this matchup, and do you have a play on this game? No play on this game, but a couple of interesting things to talk about with regards to this one. The first is, you know, with Jose Arquiti, he's got big home road splits so far this year, and he's thrown 16 more innings on the road where he's got a 628 ERA at home, 278 ERA in 22 and two-thirds. And the thing about Minute Maid Park this year is that it's been very, very good for pitchers. We've not seen the ball carry particularly well right. in this venue, and that helps a guy like Arquiti because he's a fly ball guy who has a bit of a home run problem because he throws so many strikes. It's kind of like the old Josh Tomlin type thing for the Indians where he just he's around the plate a ton. He doesn't walk anybody. And when you throw a lot of strikes, you tend to give up some home runs, particularly if you're a fly ball guy. But what's really interesting to me here is Trevor Williams going for the Mets because he's made five starts this year. They've kind of been spread out, sort of sporadic. He's topped out at five innings pitched. So this will probably be a game where the Mets bullpen has to pick up a fair amount of the slack. You see the total of nine. You see the Astros favored in the minus 135 to minus 140 range. I think I would probably lean towards the Astros in this one, despite that big number against the Mets, just because I think her kitty just really plays up a little <laughs> bit at home and the Mets are going to have to really cobble this thing together here. So, you know, Williams is a guy that the market doesn't really like. I'm a little bit surprised. We haven't seen too much of a line move in this game, but maybe that's coming here as we get closer to first pitch. Good news for the Mets. Looks like uh, Mad Max Scherzer is going to be able to uh, make his return next week. 
All right, here's a game you th- said you were thinking about playing. The Rockies and the Marlins in Miami. Ryan Feltner, Daniel Castano, and uh, actually the current number, I, sh- I should mention the Astros are minus 137. By the way, the uh, current number on this game is, what do we have on this one? Marlins minus 125. Total of uh, seven and a half. Did you say you were looking at the Rockies? Yeah, I was looking at the Rockies in this one, and and I couldn't get there because offensively they are so bad on the road. You know, between obviously Coors Field definitely hikes up their offensive performance, but you talk about going on the road and the difficulties that come with that, where pitches move differently and right. you know hitters are seeing different stuff than they usually do at home. It's a challenge. But with that being said. The Rockies are still above league average against lefties on the road. They've got a 102 WRC plus in that split. They're awful against righties on the road, but they're very competent against lefties. And Castano is a lefty here for the Marlins. And Ryan Feltner is a guy that he's actually pretty interesting. I mean, you you look at him and he's got a 485 ERA, but a 367 expected ERA, 394 FIP, some positive regression signs for a guy like that. Lone Depot Park is a very, very good pitcher's park. The Marlins are missing a couple of key bats due to COVID-19. I got very close to taking Colorado today, and ultimately I may still end up doing so. We still have a couple of hours until first pitch. I want to see if maybe this line goes up a little bit, but we have seen some Rockies money in this game, and everybody knows that the Rockies are a bad road offense. And in fact, most days their lines get steamed up 10 or 15 cents anytime they're on the road, almost Mm -hmm. automatically. That didn't happen today, and that's a pretty telling indicator for me. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, the Rockies a 500 team at home, but seven games under 500 on the road. And last year, that split was much more pronounced. Uh, they were a terrible road team a year ago. How about the um, how about this matchup in uh, Atlanta tonight? Uh, go to that one next. The Giants and the Braves in Atlanta won last night's game two to one. Anthony D. Scalfani goes for the Giants. Spencer Strider for the Braves, who are minus 172. Total of nine. I said a total of three runs scored last night. I don't think you played this game, did you? No, I didn't play this one. Anthony DiScofani coming off the IL for the first time in two months. He made a couple of rehab starts. First one was okay. Second one really wasn't. But he missed about two months with an ankle issue. And you know he's a guy that I actually think is is kind of better than the market paints him out to be. You know he's a guy that doesn't walk a whole lot of people. He's got a decent strikeout rate. He's a guy that can work deep into games for you when he's actually healthy, and he has been pretty healthy with the Giants. But it's very hard to go against Spencer Strider, who, quite frankly, I mean, even with O'Neill Cruz coming up, I think Strider may have the inside track to being the National League Rookie of the Year now that he's in the rotation for the Braves, now that he can rack up strikeouts right. and get some of those counting stats that you know the, the voters really look for. But, I mean, Strider's a guy, he throws 100. He's got nasty slider, really, really good stuff. And the Giants' offense has been the better part of their team, but you see a total of nine for this game. And if we get a higher-scoring game here in this one, the Giants have one of the worst defensive teams in Major League Baseball. So that's something that hurts them a lot. They have to out-hit teams, out-slug teams to win games. Easier said than done facing a guy like Strider. Okay, how about Jack Flaherty? He goes for the Cardinals tonight in Milwaukee. Chi-Chi Gonzalez gets a start for the Brewers. Cardinals minus 130, total of nine in that one. Tricky handicap here because Jack Flaherty only went three innings in his first start, his first return in in quite some time for the Cardinals. Chichi Gonzalez is a guy that uh, I don't know how he keeps finding work. There's really nothing special about anything that he does, and he must be a great teammate or something like that. But that's a guy that I, I would have no interest in backing in any context. But this will probably become a bullpen game. 
And the Brewers did get Josh Hader back yesterday off the paternity list, so that was a nice addition for them. And, of course, he got a save right away uh, with Devin Williams throwing the eighth, Corbin Burns going seven innings, exactly the way that the Brewers draw it up pretty much. But I'd be surprised if they use Hader back-to-back unless they absolutely have to. Uh, so this is a tricky one because it's going to be a battle of the bullpens, and it's really about you know how the managers deploy their relievers, who's fresh, who's not. And it's a game that, honestly, I, I kind of bypassed just because I knew that it, it would be kind of a bullpen battle. Yeah, if anything, it's betters uh, looking to fade Chi-Chi Gonzalez in that matchup. All right, two of my favorite pitchers going head-to-head tonight in San Diego at Petco Park, Zach Gallen and Sean Manaya. Uh, D-backs and Padres, total of seven. Uh, shaded over, excuse me, shaded under minus 125, and the Padres minus 130 favorites here at the South Point. I like to take Zach Gallon in a lot of spots, but after watching that D-backs offense last night against you, Darvish, very tough for me to go, b- go back and uh, take the bait with the D-backs uh, tonight against another good pitcher who could shut down that weak lineup. Yeah, this is another one of those interesting line moves out there in the marketplace because we saw a lot of money yesterday on Arizona and Zach Davies when when we knew that Manny Machado wasn't going to play. Yeah. And, and the fact that Machado is not going to play tonight and this line's actually moved in favor of San Diego, again, says a lot to me. I, I look for a lot of context clues out there in the marketplace to sort of see if there's something I expect to happen and it doesn't or if there's something I expect to happen and it does or to a higher degree. This is one where you know because of what we saw yesterday, it felt like people were kind of – selling the Padres a little bit, selling their stock a little bit, and understandably so. Manny Machado, I mean, he's already passed last year's F4 total. He's been almost everything for this offense, which hasn't been very good. And then yet today, against a really good pitcher like Gallon, this line moves up on the San Diego side. So, again, another line move that really said a lot to me, but also says a lot to me here is the total, and the fact that it's juiced to the under seven speaks to the offensive projection of the Padres without Manny Machado, specifically in this matchup. So, I think that's probably on the right track here. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a three to two, four to two type of game, but I I won't take an under seven at minus one twenty, right. minus one twenty five. That's what I was thinking as well. Uh, I watched those teams last night, and uh, like I said, I like Zach Allen a lot, but not too much faith in that D backs team offensively. You've got a best bet. We're going to get to later in the show on the Mariners and the A's. Let's talk about the Blue Jays and the White Sox. Kevin Gossman, Dylan Cease, and his cheesy mustache. Uh, he takes the mound for the White Sox tonight at plus 115. Any interest in the home dog in the Toronto-Chicago game? I took a look at the home dog, and I actually took a look at the over nine here, despite the fact that you've got Gosman and Dylan Cease here, two very good pitchers, two guys that can rack up strikeouts with the best of them. Uh-huh. But very good atmosphere for hitting again in Chicago tonight. Warm weather, winds blowing out. And Gaussman's a guy, or Gaussman's a guy that right now doesn't really seem to have his command. The reason I stayed off this game, Dylan Cease is not being efficient at all. He's not working deep into games. Right. And the White Sox bullpen is very banged up without Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks. So couldn't get to a play in this game, but I think it'd be a fun one to watch, especially to see how these two offenses do against a couple of quality pitchers. All right, that's Adam Burke. We're going to take a break here on the edge. We come up next. College football right around the corner. We'll talk about some win total best bets. And don't forget, Wes Reynolds step, steps in in the last segment to talk about golf today. Brooks Kepka out. He has uh, left the PGA Tour. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Okay, put some cash in your pockets with the Wrangler Hoops Draft Challenge. Make your picks on where the future stars will land at DraftKings.com slash Wrangler and compete for your share of $10,000 in prizes. Wrangler, for the right of life, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. The NBA Draft is Thursday night. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the final segment of today's show. Matt Humans, Adam Burke here on The Edge. And, uh, Adam, we're going to talk college football. I know you love college football just like I do. And um, how much preseason homework have you got done at this point? Are you ahead or behind schedule as we get into uh, late June? I would say right now I'm behind schedule. I mean, with Major League Baseball, I've been really trying to focus all my energies on that, particularly because we've seen two seasons within a season. Basically, we saw what we saw from April into mid-May and then what we saw from mid-May into now. So I've been making a lot of adjustments on the baseball side, but you know, the magazines are rolling out. It's getting to that point where you know I'm really going to be diving into college football, I'll be a big contributor to the college football betting guide here, as I know you will as well. So it's about that time to, to really start digging in here. Yeah, it is. And uh, in late May, I made my first college football win total bet, and that was on Alabama over 10, 10 and a half. At that point, it was minus 225. You might have been able to find a little bit better price out there, but you're not going to find a better number than 10 and a half. So let's talk a little SEC right now. Bama over 10 and a half minus 225, I think is a really good bet for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is Alabama's probably got the best offensive player and best defensive player in the nation, talking about quarterback Bryce Young and defensive end Will Alexander, excuse me, Will Anderson, who I think actually is a sleeper to be a Heisman Trophy winner as a defensive player, and you can find odds maybe as high as 40 or 50 to 1 on Will Anderson. But if you look at Alabama's schedule, the Tide, double-digit favorites in every game this season. And I think Circa put out, Circa and BetMGM, I think, put out really good numbers on Alabama's win total at 11 and a half. And Circa puts out 11 and a half under minus 135. I think if, uh, if a lot of things go wrong for the Tide, they'll finish 11 and 1. I would rather play this over 10 and a half and lay the juice. If you look at this schedule, uh, not too many really tough tests here on the road. I know Arkansas has improved, Tennessee's improved, LSU's in a rebuilding year. The game at Ole Miss is not necessarily going to be a layup, but Texas A&M, Auburn, Alabama's double-digit uh, favorite in every game on that schedule. Uh, like I said, I, would, I think 11-1 and one might even be a disappointing record. I'll play over 10.5, lay the price. I typically don't like to lay a price like that, but in this case, I would rather play over 10.5 than over 11.5, which I've, I've never done because a quarterback injury could really screw you anytime you bet a future. But I think Alabama's got enough depth – at that position, even if Bryce Young goes down, they could still go 11 and 1. Okay. Like I said, Circa's got that price at 11 and a half. What do you have your eyes on in the SEC? South Carolina's got a new coach, and I think you're high on the game, Cox, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm very high in the Gamecocks, and this is a program I pay very close attention to. My wife is from about a half hour southwest of Columbia, so kind of adopted them as my second team outside of Ohio State. So I've been paying a lot of attention to them over the last few years because you had the Spurrier years where they had the good records, but towards the tail end of his tenure, 
he didn't really have time for recruiting, didn't really care too much, and you could kind of see the program starting to fall off a little bit. Now with Shane Beavers, Shane Beamer, excuse me, so much more excitement within that program. They get Spencer Rattler. They get two four-star quarterback incoming freshman recruits as well. Mm -hmm. So even if Rattler goes down, they're going to have talent at that position, which they didn't really have last year. They had a grad student uh, in Zeb Nolan. They had a transfer in Jason Brown. They had a bunch of different guys that wound up starting at that position. Still go seven and six. Still win a bowl game. Uh, the Belk Bowl, the, the Mayo or the Duke's Mayo Bowl where uh, Beamer got dumped on by a giant vat of mayo, which was kind of gross. The thing for them is their schedule is very challenging, and this is what happens when you play in the SEC, when you get Texas A&M from the other side of the conference, when you wind up playing Georgia, you've got to go to Kentucky, to Florida. They play that season finale at Clemson, which is why we see the 5.5 for them. But it is juiced over minus 150, and I agree with that because in watching this team a lot last year, there was one very clear thing missing, and it was quarterback play. And that will be significantly better. Beamer is a quarterback coach by trade. He gets Rattler, who was in that Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma system that Beamer is very familiar with. I think this is a team that not only could win seven, possibly eight games, even with that tough schedule, I also think that within the next two to three years, I think they win an SEC East title as well. South Carolina is going to be a team on the rise in the SEC. I agree with that. I love that coaching hire. Also, too, you know, Clemson kind of falling off. So now South Carolina can be the top dog in that state again. Wow. To get, you know, the high school recruits there. So I think that's something that kind of benefits them as well. That's a bold statement. You don't think Clemson's falling off? I think Clemson's falling off, but now you're, you're making South Carolina the top dog well, in the not, state? Not like this the, okay. year, no. But now going the forward, I think so. Okay. I mean, I think Dabo losing his coordinators was a much bigger deal than people realize. He mm -hmm. may be a motivator or a leader of men or whatever, but from an X's and O's standpoint, I think his coordinators, specifically Brent Venables, carried him. Yeah, Venables off to Oklahoma, and in the trade, they get Spencer Rattler. Uh, actually, not an exact trade, but the SEC gets Spencer Rattler, a quarterback for South Carolina. Rattler uh, got benched at Oklahoma. I think he's uh, actually going to be pretty good this year. I did not like him last year. He was a Heisman favorite. At one point, he was the favorite on the prop board to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, which I laughed out loud about last summer. He, he is not that type of quarterback, but he could be pretty good for South Carolina this year. I think that would be a definite upgrade. And like you said, they've got some quarterback talent in the pipeline next couple of years too. So I think South Carolina is a team on the rise. As, uh, we're talking about these win totals, and you have to shop around because a half win or a win – no matter what the juice is, can make a big difference whether or not you want to play something. And um, BetMGM, Circa, DraftKings, and a couple other books have these up now. We still haven't seen all the win totals in the market yet, <clears throat> so I'm kind of holding off on playing some of the teams I'm interested in to see if I can get a better number on a couple of those. But <clears throat> here's one I'm looking at playing at, Adam, and I want to get your thoughts on LSU. Because LSU right now at BetMGM, the win total is 7.5 under minus 140. At Circa, it's 6.5. And, and the juice, I think, is 115. I'm actually considering playing LSU over the number of 6.5. And, and uh, I think Brian Kelly, actually, he's got a pretty good quarterback situ situation there. Miles Brennan, even if Brennan doesn't win the starting job, you got Jaden Daniels. Didn't, didn't Daniels transfer in? Uh, from Arizona State, and uh, they got some competition at quarterback. But Brian Kelly is going, going to create competition at every position. And it's not like LSU's barren of talent. They've got plenty of talent back. It is a little bit of a rebuilding job from last year. But I think Kelly is going to turn this thing around enough. And I, I was breaking down the schedule, and I looked at it last night. 
I could see seven wins. I could see eight wins for LSU, and I would prefer to play over six and a half at the circuit number. Yeah, last year was just very strange for LSU. I mean, they, they lose so much talent from the national championship team with Burrow. Not even just Burrow, but also the wide receivers that they lost as well. And then you've got the whole Orgeron thing where that's just kind of hanging over the team right. for a long period of time. And then now they've got some stability. They had injuries at the quarterback position last year as well. That didn't help them whatsoever. I will say this. It doesn't really help us now in terms of betting these preseason markets, but I think we'll find out very quickly in that September 4th game against Florida State you know, how their talent kind of stacks up because the Seminoles have fallen off. Yes. But you know, that's a game that LSU should win, neutral setting game. That's a game where they should look pretty good, I think, against a team that's you know, got a name at least. I don't know how good Florida State will be this year. I know some people do like them to take a pretty big step forward. But I think it's a really good tone setter for LSU's season. And again, it doesn't really help you in terms of the preseason betting market. But I think as we go along throughout the year, that's a game we can look back at. The September 17th game against Mississippi State is another one. We can look back at those games and kind of say, okay, we sort of saw this trajectory for this team. Or if they start out bad, we'll see what Brian Kelly does with them for the rest of the year to maybe do something going into the 2023 season. Right. Right now it's circa the LSU win total 6.5 over minus 110, not 115. So that's what I might end up playing, but I'm going to be on the uh, Jimmy Ott show on ESPN Radio Baton Rouge later today, and I'll get those guys' thoughts on where they think the LSU program is before I play that one. LSU does host New Mexico in September. That's going to be a layup for Brian Kelly. They're going to Tigers are going to win that game big, but I'm going to bet on uh, coaches here, which is what I like to do a lot of times. College football win totals. And New Mexico had a disastrous season uh, in 2021, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I think New Mexico's got a couple of the best coaches on the West Coast, and Danny Gonzalez and Rocky Long. And if if you remember Rocky Long at San Diego State and previously at New Mexico. I kind of consider him the Bill Belichick of the Mountain West Conference. He's a defensive wizard. This Lobos team is going to be outstanding defensively. Uh, the schedule opens with a home game against Maine. UTEP's not the patsy it was in the past, but UTEP, New Mexico State, UNLV on that schedule as well. I'm going to play New Mexico over 2.5 at plus 120 and hoping that offense has definitely improved from last season. Also, in the Pac-12, I'm playing Colorado under 3.5 at minus 135. Those are DraftKings numbers right there. We'll talk about Colorado a little bit more, but I think could be the worst team in the Pac-12. Uh, one of the inexplicable scores of last season, Adam, you're probably going to remember, was New Mexico winning 14-3 at Wyoming as a 14-and-a-half-point road dog. And uh, that was one on paper before the season you, you would have chalked up as a loss uh, for the Lobos. Quick break. We come back. We'll get the best bets and Wes Reynolds. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 Challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of taste and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke free, spit free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 Challenge today at Zen dot com slash 10 at zyn.com slash 10 zen nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 and older 
or currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine, which is an addictive chemical. All right, let's get the best bets. Adam Burke, Wes Reynolds joins us in studio. Adam, we got a couple baseball games to talk about tonight. And I remind everyone to go to vcin.com every day to read your scouting reports and betting analysis for that day's MLB card. Let's start with uh, the Guardians and the Twins, uh, one of your two best bets tonight. Yeah, so I thought my Guardians were worth a look tonight. They were in the plus 150, plus 145 range earlier on today. Seeing this line move a little bit now because Jose Ramirez is back in the lineup for Cleveland. Had an MRI over the weekend. They're kind of waiting to see what the results were going to be. But he's back in the lineup. Aaron Savali makes his return, and Aaron Savali missed about three weeks. He had a couple of rehab starts. One was good. One wasn't so good. But my thought process here, Joe Ryan just came off the COVID IL for Minnesota as well. So you're going to have two starters that probably go four and fly, maybe five and dive at most. So this becomes a bullpen game. And to me, Cleveland's bullpen is much better than Minnesota's bullpen. Cleveland's second bullpen ERA, Minnesota 14th. Cleveland is sixth in FIP, Minnesota's 25th in terms of relievers. And the last 30 days look very similar as well. So my thought process is as long as these two starters cancel each other out, I've got the better bullpen at plus 145. Now, just so happens that Ramirez is back in the lineup. So I felt like this plus money shot was worthwhile tonight. Uh, you got plus 145, or did you get better? Plus 145. Okay. As a Ohio guy, have you adjusted to the uh, Guardians nickname? I have. Have I, you? I've gotten okay. there. You're yeah, okay finally. It took, me, it took me two months of the season, but I got there. I hated it, but uh, whatever. Life goes on. And uh, <laughs> the Guardians actually playing decent baseball at this point. What do you got? You have one more best bet tonight, I believe, on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm, I'm laying the price here tonight with Seattle. This was minus 130, minus 135 or so. It's minus 135 in the article where I try to just use a consensus number that's pretty much widely available uh, for everybody. The A's seem to be doing everything humanly possible to get relocated to Las Vegas. They're 8-25 and 25 at home. <laughs> They've been by far, far and away, the worst home offense in Major League Baseball. They've scored 2.52 runs per game at home. And... They're still giving up almost five runs per game. So, you know, I looked at this one. Marco Gonzalez doesn't have the greatest of numbers. It's a little bit scary to back him in this big of a favorite role. But James Caprellian's not pitching very well. The biggest issue for Gonzalez is he gives up home runs. Oakland's only hit 14 of them in 33 home games. Seattle's got a better bullpen. In fact, Danny Jimenez, the reliever for the A's, just hit the IL today with a shoulder issue. So I just went ahead and I, I took Seattle. I laid the number. I think teams are going to use Oakland as kind of a get-right game, get-right type of series and I think uh, Seattle will do that here tonight. If the A's played in Vegas, they'd draw much bigger crowds, that's for sure. Absolutely. The offense would be a little bit better, too, I think. That's right. There's no question. If you could play at altitude out in Summerlin, the offensive numbers would look a lot better. All right, that's Adam Burks, best bets for baseball. I got a quick one on the NBA draft. I'm going Jabari Smith to be the number one pick. This is a bet MGM right now. Smith to be the number one pick, minus 140. 6'10 freshman forward from Auburn. One of the best shooters in the draft, plays both ends of the floor. I think the Magic will be crazy to pass on him at number one. I know Paolo Benchero from Duke is getting uh, some interest, some late interest in that number one spot from the Magic. But I think uh, when that's announced tomorrow night, it's going to be Jabari Smith, number one, Chet Holmgren to Oklahoma City, number two, and Paolo Benchero to the Rockets at number three. And then the draft really starts to get interesting after that if uh, that's the way the first three picks pan out. Uh, golf this week to Travelers Championship. We're going to stay on the East Coast the week after the U.S. Open. I've got four we'll talk about on the Long Shots podcast with uh, Wes Reynolds. Check that out tonight at vcin.com. 
I played Joaquin Neiman, 35 to 1, Davis Riley at 42, Aaron Wise at 50, and Seamus Power at 50 as well. And uh, Wes, we will break down this tournament in depth on the Long Shot Show, which we're going to tape right at the conclusion of uh, the Edge today. How has uh, this week been for you? You're riding high. You had a win in the U.S. Open, and it was not easy. There was a lot of yeah. uh, ten, uh, tense moments there on the back nine on Sunday, but you got there with Matt Fitzpatrick, and I had the bridesmaid, Will Zalatoris, who you also had. Scotty Scheffler yeah. tied for second as well, but congrats on your win last week. Appreciate it. We were getting worried about Scotty Scheffler yeah. because I was like, when he boasted five, because I wanted uh, Fitz and Will Z playoff, and I kind of wanted Will Z a little bit more, even though I had him at a lesser price, because it seemed like a lot of us here at the network were on Will Zalatoris. We're probably going to be on him again. You know, so it's like, we'll meet here in four weeks at St. Andrews because we keep betting him in the majors because his putting so much better in the majors, and look, uh-huh. two runner-ups, like, somebody was asking me, do you think he's going to go into Shoffley syndrome? And I don't necessarily think so. Because I think with Xander, X-Men sometimes has kind of backdoored those top five finishes. Mm-hmm. And Zalatoris has been, like, right in the fight. He's not going to be in the fight this week, though, because he withdrew, I believe, over the weekend. But still, we got five of the top ten in the world rankings in Connecticut. Yeah, a really week. good field here. And Brooks Kepka is not going to be in it, right? We don't know that as okay. of yet. He is. He was technically in the field this morning, but I don't know how much longer he's going to be on the PGA Tour, considering it came out today that he's going to be joining Live Golf. Abraham Answer, that had been rumored for a couple weeks. He's now going to join the Live Tour in uh, Portland here the first weekend of July. But I don't know if the PGA Tour, if the tour is going to like say, okay, we're going to stick you with like a 4.30 in the morning tee time as a single here in the Travelers, or just say, hey, you can't play in the field. I don't think that they can really do that until you actually tee off on the lift tour. So I think Brooks, I haven't seen him withdraw. I think he is going to be in the field this week. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Jay Monahan called that meeting this morning, the PGA Tour commissioner with all the players. And apparently they are going to add some events interspersed throughout the year. I thought initially it was going to be a fall thing, but we're not going to have the wraparound season. Apparently when the schedule gets announced for this fall, they're going to intersperse these events with top 50 players, no cut events and more money on the line. I guess they somehow found about $160 million hanging around or something, but this is obviously an answer to the live tour and the fact that their talent is being poached. So I can understand why they're doing that. I think it kind of hurts the middle guys, you know, the guys that are like 51 to a hundred in those FedEx cup standings. Cause it's like, now we got to play alternate events to improve, our priority and keep our cards and stuff and you know it's kind of like okay what do you do about those guys and what do you do about the sponsors where it's like okay we didn't sign up and pay these millions of dollars to sponsor a pga tour event for it to be like an alternate event okay so this week this is not an alternate event this is actually a pretty good field this week and uh, look at the top of the uh, odds board this week scotty scheffler rory McIlroy. you get some big names this week uh Wes, I did not play any. look to play any of the favorites here. I kind of look at this as a hangover week mm-hmm. after a major. All these, these guys put up so much focus and energy into what happened last week in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, and now you go to Connecticut for this, and I think it's got to be a little bit of a letdown. Rory, Scheffler, JT, Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, Shoffley, Spieth, those are the guys at the top of the odds board. Did you play any of the favorites? Uh, the guy with the lowest odds – 
I played was Joaquin Neiman at 35 to 1. Well, you and I did match up on Neiman and also on Seamus Power this week. I did play one of the guys that are in like the teen odds, one of the five of the top 10 in the world, and it was Patrick Cantlay, just simply because of his history on Pete Dye courses. I know he disappointed last week at the country club at Brookline, but. You know, T14 finish, he shot one under combined on the weekend. That's pretty good golf in tough conditions. And number one in terms of total strokes gained on Pete Dye designs, uh, 24, 36, and the last 50 rounds. Recall he was in the playoff, probably should have won the event at the RBC Heritage and got nicked by Jordan Spieth in the playoff. So Cantlay, I think, you know, still trying to make it in majors, but I do kind of like him this week. Remember, he shot 60 here as an amateur when he was still at UCLA back in 2011. So Cantlay made my card. I mentioned Neiman and Power. Another local guy I'm going with who's played well here before, I actually think you beat him one year when you had Chez Reeve, the winner of this a few mm-hmm. years ago. I had second place, and that second place was Keegan Bradley, who I thought was really pumped to play in front of a New England crowd last week, and he's getting another one this week. Uh, excellent 2022 He's back in the top 50 in the world right now. Two top fives, four top tens. So first major championship top 10 since 2014 at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. So Bradley's got some momentum, 35 to 1. Sun JM, 30 to 1. I'm going to buy on the dip a little bit. He was one of my guys, so I don't want to toot my horn when I had Fitzpatrick, Zalatoris, and Rom there. I also had half my field miss the cut, and one of those guys was Sun JM. But top 10 strokes gained off the tee, top 10 strokes gained around the green in this field. So I like Sun J anywhere in the 30s. 30 to 1 range. Uh, longer odd guys, we might match up on one more too. Mark Leishman, 60 to 1, who was really good last week at the country club, played very well on the weekend, uh, 14th place finish, and then Brendan Steele is my longer odd guy at 65. All right, that's Wes Reynolds, Adam Burke. Adam, great job today on the baseball analysis. About what time does your uh, a betting report go up at vcin.com every day. Yeah, it usually goes up about 1 or one thirty Eastern time. It depends on how much digging I have to do through the card because things really have tightened up in the, in the Major League Baseball market. All right, that's Adam Burke, Wes Reynolds, and that's The Edge. Uh, catch Wes and I on the Long Shots podcast tonight. This is vcin, the sports betting network. My guys in the desert on deck.